0: are in week number five of a series called Dear Church. If you have a printed Bible and if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Revelation chapter three is where we're going to be living today. And then we're also going to read a pretty significant chunk of Ephesians chapter five. And so if you have a printed Bible and if you want to be in Revelation 3 and then here in a little bit, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, you can be there. Or if you have your smartphone, which I know you do, you can go to todayssermon.com and our sermon notes and scriptures will be up there as well. But like I say, I love being able to look up in the night sky and seeing all of the stars. But here's the thing, you probably know this already. I'm not a science teacher, but I do know how to Google things. It's light years are a made-up thing. That's not a real, but, but because light travels so fast, scientists had to come up with a unit of measurement to figure out how fast it travel, so they come up with with light years. If you were to um, equate light years with miles, you would, in one light year, light would travel roughly uh, like 5.8 or some odd trillion miles every single year, which is just Extraordinary. It's something like 130,000 miles a second. And the Big Dipper, here we see it here, the Big Dipper is 78 to 123 light years away from us. That's a really long ways. And so when you go out tonight, or if you went out yesterday, or whenever it is that you look up at the Big Dipper, you are looking back in time, the light that you're seeing was actually sent over a century ago. And so here's what that means, and again, I'm not trying to give you a science lesson this morning, but here's what that means for us, is that it's possible that the Big Dipper is burnt out and we just don't know it yet. It's possible that there are stars that are part of the Big Dipper here that no longer illuminate and it'll be 100 years or so Before we ever find out. What we're going to see today in John's letter to this church in Sardis is very similar. It looks like you're alive, but in reality, you're dead. We see the Big Dipper and we see the stars, and it looks as if from our vantage point, they're alive. But it's possible because of time that they're actually dead. And what John is going to share with us this morning, and my hope to be able to communicate to you in a way that you can get your hands around it, is that the key to a vibrant Christian life is the work of the Holy Spirit. That the key to a life that is more than just routine and activity and going through the motions is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said the exact same thing. When Jesus was speaking, and you don't have to go there, but in John chapter 16, I'm gonna just read two verses of this. You can read the entire passage for yourself. But Jesus said to his disciples after he had risen from the dead, because we think, man, it'd be great if Jesus was here, but Jesus said, actually, it's better that I leave because it's for your good. That I'm going away because unless I go, the advocate, that's another word for the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you, skipping down to verse number 13, and when he comes, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so the Christian life is ignited through the work of the Holy Spirit, that the life that we are able to live more than just going through the motions and more than just showing up on Sunday and singing some songs and learning some prayers is activated through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a mysterious thing. And people are sure, I'm not sure about that whole Holy Spirit thing because I've seen some things and what about this and what about the other? But here's what's true about the Christian life is that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to you that enables you to live well the Christian life. It is not possible for you to live well the Christian life without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you have, if you have crossed that line of faith, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's just what the scripture says, it is the spirit that draws people to repentance, the spirit is deposited in us when we choose to follow Jesus, but, and this is kind of the big idea of today's talk, having access to something and activating something are two different things, is that you can have access to the spirit But unless you are activating the spirit in your life, we, like the church in Sardis, will look great on the outside, but it'll just be motion. It'll just be going through the routine. It is the spirit that brings our life in Christ to life. And we can look great. And and let's be honest, for many of us, we've, we've done church for a really long time. We know how to do. The church thing, right? I mean, especially if you grew up in church or Sunday school or going to mass or whatever, you learned all the routines. You learned when to stand and when to sit and when to smile and how. We know how to play the part, but what John is gonna say to this church, much like the stars in the sky, on the outside you look alive, but we dig a little bit deeper and we discover you're actually dead. Revelation chapter three, verse number one. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits, I'm gonna explain it in just a second, of God and the seven stars. What's he talking about? You gotta remember this is apocryphal literature. And so things that we think aren't necessarily what they mean, here's what this verse means. These are the words of him who holds seven, not the number seven like what we would think the number seven, but we said the first week that the seven in apocryphal literature is the number of completion. He's talking about that I have the fullness and the entirety of the spirit in my hand. It's not seven different spirits. He's talking about I have the complete full totality of the work of the spirit in my one hand and then in the other hand i have the seven stars which we already know from reading chapter one and chapter two are these seven churches and so what Jesus is saying he's introducing himself to this church in Sardis saying I have the full work of the Holy Spirit in one hand I have seven churches in my other hand and the insinuation is I want to combine those two things I want the full work of the Holy Spirit impacting and bringing life to these seven churches and so that's just what that means and he goes on and he says I know your deeds, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Now this is a change in what Jesus has been saying in letters up to this point. Up to this point, Jesus has been saying, man, I know your perseverance, I know that you're staying true under hardship, I see it. But here, he's not giving them a compliment. He's saying, I know your deeds, and they're falling short. I'm looking at your life, and when I weigh it on the scales, it's not where it should be. And so the first things that we should remember as we are learning and growing and trying to be conformed in the image of Christ is that God has his eyes on your life. And up to this point, that has been a compliment to us. We, we've said uh, several times in this series, God knows and God sees. And so when you keep praying, when you keep uh, staying true, when you keep standing on God's word, even when things aren't going the way that you want them to go, God knows that and God sees that. Here it's more of a warning that the things that we try to keep hidden and the things that we try to keep put in the shadows, God is not blind to those. God sees all of those little areas. God sees those attitudes. God sees the way that we think. God sees the way that our heart really is. And we can put out a good picture on the outside that everybody else sees, but God knows our heart. And so it is a warning to us that there is nothing in us that is hidden from God. And then he says, man, the evidence of your life is produced by, or what's being produced is evidence of of life in you. If you have the life of the Holy Spirit in you, that is going to produce something in your life. And if you do not have the life of the Spirit in you, it's gonna be evidenced when other people look at your life. In other words, that your life should be bearing fruit, that people should be able to look at you, people should be able to look at me, and say, I see the fruit of the Spirit's work In Kyle's life I see that the way that he responds when he's frustrated I see that the way that he responds when things don't go his way the way that he treats his kids the way that he deals with his money the way that he's a husband I see the evidence of the spirits work in his life the same is true in just nature you can tell by a tree if it's alive or if it's dead you can look and you go to this orchard and you see all these other beautiful trees producing all these wonderful fruit and in the middle we find this tree that isn't producing anything and you don't have to be a biologist to know well that tree, there's something wrong with it. That tree is, is dead and when we line up to be examined by Jesus, our life should be evidenced by the fruit of our life. Jesus himself said it this way, every good tree bears good fruit. It's just what trees do. You know this, but a bad tree, well what does it bear? It bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, well there's again a warning, is cut down and thrown into the fire, that if my life isn't producing something, it's not so that God will love me. I'm not producing and trying to work so that God will love me. It's in response of the Spirit's work in my life. My life should be bearing fruit. Man, it's cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And this is, again, I know your deeds, and the evidence of your life and the work of the Spirit in your life should be fruit that is being born. And so we have to examine ourselves, just like this church in Sardis, because Jesus looked at this church and says, man, on the outside, you are flashy. And on the outside, you've got it going on, and on the outside, you know when to stand, and you know when to sit, and you know when to say the prayer, but when I dig a little bit deeper, you're dead. There's no life there, and so, Thankfully, Jesus doesn't just leave us to our own devices and say, well, good luck. I don't know what to do for you. Jesus then in the following verses, and there's, there's a whole half of this letter that we're not really going to dive into, but in these next two verses, Jesus in his mercy gives us five things that we can do if we recognize, gosh, I'm, I'm a little bit like that church in Sardis. I'm, I know how to play the part, but there's no life inside of me. And so, For our remainder of the time this morning, I wanna, we're just going to read this. We're going to look at these five things that Jesus says that we can do to wake up and to get life from the Spirit evidenced in our life. And then at the end, we're going to ask two questions that might challenge some of us to go a little bit deeper. But following verse number one says this, "'Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, "'for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. "'Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. "'Hold it fast and repent.'" But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come to you. Verse number four, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has, ends it the same way, whoever has ears to hear let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So again, verses four, five, and six are wonderful, and maybe another time we'll come back to it, but just focusing on verse number two and three, Jesus gives us five things that we can do if we recognize I'm, I'm alive on the outside. I look good, but I'm, if I'm honest, I'm not sure the work of the Spirit is evidenced in my life. The first one he says is this. Hey, you gotta wake up. Wake up. You gotta... In other words, realize, I, I think I've, in the busyness of life, I've gotten caught up in just going through the motions. I didn't mean to. I, I'm not even necessarily, the beliefs that I have haven't changed. The, the, the way that I believe what Jesus has done, that, that is all true, and I, I'm steadfast in that. But in the busyness of life, I've just gotten a little bit, distracted, I've just gotten kind of comfortable, I've gotten at ease, and we're never more in danger than when we're just kind of coasting along. We see it in sports all the time, as a team gets a big lead, and what do they do? They just kind of take their foot off the gas, and then the other team gets a little momentum, and eh, it's it's a problem. That's the same thing that can happen in our Christian life is that I just, I'm just going through the motions. On Sundays I show up to church and on I go to a Bible study and those are all good activity, but if there's no life inside of us, we have to wake up and realize, I, I think it's possible that I'm just going through the motions, there's no life inside of my life. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter eight, uh, excuse me Ephesians chapter five, verse number eight, this is kind of a big chunk of scripture for once you and again this is he 's talking to christians he 's not talking to people who have not followed jesus he 's talking to people who have followed Jesus and then just kind of fallen asleep a little bit for you were once for uh, for you once were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord live. As children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Like, what, what type of life should I live outside of Sunday mornings that pleases the Lord? Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention the dis- what, what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, here's our word, wake up, wake up, sleeper. Yeah, talking to Christians. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Not for the forgiveness of sins. You've already had that, but for a life that is propelled by the Spirit. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand, well, how does God want me to live? Understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, here it is, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And so that's our first thing that Jesus invites us to. Hey, wake up. I know that, you know, you, you, you go to church, but how about on Tuesday on Thursday, and how's your mind, and how's your attitudes, and what about the words that you speak? What about the jokes that you tell? What about the shows that you watch? What about the websites that you visit? Wake up, wake up, wake up, because there is more to just the routine, and then strengthen what remains. I wake up to the realization, I don't think I'm where God wants me to be, and again, I'm not doing this for God's love, I'm doing this as a response to God's love. I'm not doing this so that God will, you know, give me a pat on the head and welcome me into heaven. I'm doing this because of, we're gonna see in a second, what God has done for me, it, in, it involves the way that I live Sunday to Sunday, week in and, and week out, and so I strengthen what remains. I, I kind of fan that little embryo. We, yesterday morning it was cold in our house, one of our furnaces is, is broken and so, it's freezing in our house. And so we, man, we have this fireplace and we lit it. And I love a fire. And we just, you know, you've had a fireplace or a little campfire. You can, the little embers are just there. And what happens is you can either, if you leave those little embers alone, well, the whole fire is going to go out. But if you'll put a little bit of breath on those embers, all of a sudden what looked dead and, and burn out, Why it just roars back to life. The Holy Spirit is described in the Bible as breath. And there might be in you just this little ember, just this little thing, and the invitation is, man, let the Spirit breathe on that. Strengthen what remains. Timothy was written this way. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. Don't let that little ember that you have inside of you, don't let it be extinguished, strengthen what remains. Wake up, man, I'm just going through the motions. Fan into flames, strengthen what remains, and then I, I remember, John says. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and remember, in the busyness of life, you, you're busy. You've got a lot of things to do. You've got a lot of things to accomplish, and sometimes again, it's not on purpose, but just in the busyness of life, I can get so distracted from the work of God in my life that I just kind of drift, drift, drift away. And that what keeps me from drifting is, is remembering. I remember what did it cost for you and I to be able to sit here? What did it cost for you and I to be in relationship with God. It was free to us, but it wasn't free to Jesus. It was a gift to us, but it cost Jesus everything. And it is in the remembering that I have been invited into the presence of God and I have been invited into relationship with God, not based on what I have done, but based on the price that Jesus paid. Man, we sing it that hymn Jesus paid it all all to him i owe i i owe him more than just 10:15 to 11:15 on sunday he he paid more than just 10:15 to 11:15 on sunday and if all i am giving in response to jesus is just a little routine when it's convenient for me i am wasting and taking advantage of and watering down what jesus has done on my behalf, Paul and Romans said it this way: Therefore, I urge you, because you're gonna, you're gonna get caught up in the busyness, and you're going to have all these other distractions, and they're not bad; they're just life. You got, I mean, I had the craziest week this week. I and nothing, you know, it was just life. I had two funerals. I had Adler's birthday party. We took a bunch of pictures. I had a couple things extra. At my my regular work. It was just a crazy week, all things that were important. But Paul says to Kyle, I urge you, Kyle, in light of your busy week and in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, not, not Sunday mornings, because Sunday mornings, 10.15 to 11.15, that's not that big of a deal. I mean, is that, is that really all Jesus paid for? Did Jesus only give part of himself? Do we celebrate at Easter that Jesus stopped short of going all the way? Well, no. What we celebrate at Easter is that Jesus, he asked the cup to be taken from him, and if there's any way for me to not go through this, would you please take it from me? But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And we celebrate at Easter. Jesus went all the way. And then sometimes, let's be honest with ourselves. Sometimes I piddly give him, well, it's, I don't have anything else going on on Sunday. Here's, here's Sunday, but Monday I'm gonna think the way that I used to think and my attitude's gonna be my attitude and if somebody wants to gossip, I'm there for it and who cares what I do and who cares what I watch and is that all that Jesus gave? Remember, he says, in view of, nope oh, sorry, go back. In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies, all of me, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Proper worship is not singing the songs on Sunday. That's, that certainly can be part of it. But worship is, is the way that I live in response to what Jesus has done. And so I wake up. I strengthen what remains. I, I remember and then I, I hold fast. This, this word hold fast in, in that verse, it just basically means keep on keeping it. Keep on keeping it. You, you've woke up. You've realized something's not quite matching up between Jesus' sacrifice and the way that I live. And again, so important I can't emphasize it enough. This is not so that Jesus will love you. It's in response to what Jesus has done. And so He says, "Man, hold fast to it. Keep on keeping it. Don't, don't, don't note New Year's resolution. It. You know, we've all done the New Year's resolution thing where we are just excited and passionate, and then." You know, January 3rd comes and there's that extra piece of chocolate cake floating around there. And, like, how important is this diet really? Because, I mean, there's a three layer chocolate cake and I am hungry. And so we just kind of quickly let go of what at one point we were passionate about. Jesus says to this church in Sardis, He says to you and me, You wake up, you, uh, you strengthen what remains, you remember, and then you just keep on keeping it. You hold it fast. Paul said in Corinthians, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Just stand firm. I'm going to keep on keeping it. Let nothing, not my schedule, not what other people think, not these outside influences, let nothing move you. Always, always, always give yourselves, look at this word, fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain, I keep on keeping it and then here's the last one and he's said this in every single one of his letters is just to repent, just to recognize, man, I I I was going the wrong way. That i I change direction, I remember, I hold fast and then I, man, if I have to make some dramatic changes, that's what I'm gonna do. If I have to cancel some plans, that's what I'm going to do. It's it's easy, it's easy to, to act the part it's easy to let Christianity and faith in Jesus just be a convenient part of our life, but that's not what Jesus paid for. And his church in Sardis, just like our life, is the temptation to look the part but be dead. To say, man, I don't really need the work of the Spirit giving me life. I can just go through the, the motions. I can just kind of be the person that knows when to and when knows not to, but man, the, the rest of my life, that's, that's for me and Jesus says, no, that's that's no way to live. Remember and strengthen what remains. Hold fast. Repent. And so here's two questions, and then we're going to be done for this morning. Just two questions for you to wrestle with just in your mind as we go through this, this week. Here's the first one. What place does Jesus occupy in my life? If you were to be honest with yourself, and you don't have to tell anybody, but If you were to just really dive in deep, what place does Jesus occupy in your life? Is it easy for you to find yourself saying, I'm just too busy this week. I I, I can't really do the Jesus thing this week. I can't really follow through with what Jesus has called me to. I mean, that gossip is so fun and this is so exciting and everybody else is doing it. It's probably not that big of a deal. What, What place does Jesus occupy? In your life, and then maybe even an equally, if not more important, question. If Jesus were to take away his spirit, would it make any difference? If Jesus was to remove the spirit from your life, would your life be any different? And that is the question that is like, well, I I don't know. Are you alive in the spirit? I know, and again, I, I'm look. I'm, let me get first in line to just realize, man. Sometimes the answer is no, I, because I I I know nothing but church life. I can live the church life so easy, like it is not. But church life and spirit led life are different things. Church life is just going through the motions and it's ticking it off of the box. Spirit led life is I wake up every morning and I say. Spirit of truth, lead me into all truth. Spirit of wisdom, give me the wisdom that I need. Spirit, if you want to speak to me and lead me and change me and move me, I am open to that. I'm not just open to checking off the religious to-do box. I am open to what you want to say and the work that you want to do in my life because I don't want to be like the stars i don't want to look the part but actually be dead and john finishes that letter to sardis the same way every other letter is said if you have ears to hear let him hear and so the question that you should consider this week is what do you do with that word what do you do with the word that through the gift of god's grace has been preserved for us written all those years ago. How does that impact my life? Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear and then put into practice what the Spirit is saying. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we are so very grateful for the work of the Spirit in our life. We're grateful that you sent your Spirit to lead and to guide, but also, Lord, we're grateful that you sent the Spirit to convict us of sin. And some of us, that's that's exactly what we need we need the spirit to point out areas of our life that we've shoved to the side or we've allowed compromise and we're praying that you would in your mercy do that not so that you will love us but in response to the love and the sacrifice that you have given to us and so Lord we're praying that we would have ears to hear what the spirit says to us nobody cares what I say But help us to hear what the Spirit says so that we can be changed, so that we can be transformed, so that we can be sanctified further and further into the image of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.